2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. I'm Richard Young, and today's episode is with my friend, Emily Koo, who I met just a few, maybe a month or so ago in Oregon, but I've been, we've been friends for a couple of years now. And she uh, just became a mama. And we get to hear about who uh, who she used to be. And there's definitely some death in there, but I'd love to see it. Love to see her life now. Um, what it's like to be living with the Spirit. And so um, that's what today's episode is. And I love it. And I love her trying to think of announcements. You know what? I've been hitting this uh this Bible this Bible study for a while now. And it's on Tuesdays at 1:30 Central. And I just want to encourage anybody who if you like this podcast and you have some time in the middle of the day on Tuesdays, like come to the Bible study this last week. I mean, every single week we have somebody testify, and it's a shorter, shorter live version of what we do on the podcast. And, uh, you know, so much life. This last week we had Alicia. Uh, the week before that we had Becca. And um, the week before that we had Steven. And just, ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get all of them on the podcast. But if you want to hear the live version, raw and uncut then Tuesdays at 1.30 Central it's Tyler the bald eagle and myself uh, doing death to life live we, we, we thought of calling it death to live because we're corny uh, anyway check that out lovereality.org um if you're not following Love Reality on our Instagram account, um, there's going to be a lot more content coming out on there. Uh, I mean, we're just going into the summer, and uh, we're not playing around. If you thought we were playing around, then you were wrong. 
So check us out and uh, enjoy this podcast. So with all that said, buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Yeah, so Mama Koo for two months now. What's that it's like? Crazy. He's um. It's been like a whole new, a whole new world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, like we we literally like listen to Disney songs and scripture songs like nonstop all day. So like mm-hmm. Disney songs are in my head. <laughs> um, it's been like a huge shift of reality of course like now i'm like a mom and i'm taking care of a baby and he's my baby and i love him um and i feel like this isn't a bad thing to say because like god has been teaching me a lot um Mm -hmm. being a mom and stuff but like my bond with him has grown since he was a newborn because his personality is coming out more and he's responding to me and like i've always loved him but i think the love is growing um like in depth and um yeah, so it's just it's just been really cool to to experience that. So, what is something that you weren't really prepared for, and you're like, oh, this is, I didn't know this was happening, or I didn't know this was going to happen, or yeah, is there something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just be like really frank. Breastfeeding has been really hard. Um. Like I thought it'd become, I thought it would come really naturally, but it really didn't for both of us. And I can see how like women and moms who are like working right away after giving birth would be like, okay, screw this. I'm just going to do bottle feeding. Cause it's like a lot of work and like persistence and like, man, like he needs to latch right and stuff. And so, um, and then I got mastitis, which is, you know, a breast infection. And so it was really hard. And I was like, just talking to God a lot about it. Like, God, why is this so hard? And, um, you know, he's he's doing really well now. Has it made you feel some, did it make you feel some type of way about yourself or, you know, this is supposed to be natural. Did it like any kind of lies creep up in that way? Um, a little bit. It was more like I was kind of frustrated because I felt like I wasn't providing him the nutrients that he needed. And that was like hard for me because like I want him to obviously thrive and survive. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that God really taught me through it is like empathy. Um, Because he's like genetically a part of me, it's a different bond than between my husband, Justin and I, and my baby and I, like, Mm -hmm. because he like was in my womb, he was part of me. Like I've had such a different level of empathy when he hurts. Like I, my heart literally hurts. Like when he um, like is really, because sometimes he goes through a growth spurt and he's really, fussy and he's just mm-hmm. like crying and I don't know what can I can do to soothe him like my heart literally hurts for him and I'm like I feel it and so like I've learned a such a different level of love from God 
that he has mm-hmm. towards us because we're his kids too, right? So like when he, we hurt, he hurts. Um, so Absolutely. that's really a beautiful, a beautiful thing that I've been learning along this journey for sure. Man, we were talking yesterday with a group of people and it seems like in freedom, like there's this whole different realm of like moms who understand freedom and that have been liberated from lies from before. And it seems, it seems like there was heavy lies from before in a lot mm-hmm. of women that I've heard from. And like, there's mm-hmm. just like, in freedom, there's like <laughs> just different like ways that they've been able to speak life to each other. Have you found yourself mm-hmm. thinking about how you would have thought about this in the <laughs> sorry in the old way you used to think? Yeah, and like not to say that I have been to use a phrase perfect as a mom since being a mom because like I believe I'm like now that I'm living in freedom, like I'm perfect in Christ and God has been really teaching me, like, don't base your performance. Don't think of, um, your performance. If let me rephrase, um, like I used to be like such a people pleaser and like wanting to be perfect to be, to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that to creep into motherhood with how I'm raising Maddie. Like if he's not thriving, that reflects on me being a bad mom. Like if, if people are asking, Oh, is he sleeping through the night now? Oh, how's he feeding? Like if I give them a bad report, Oh, so that reflects that I'm a bad mom then. Like mm-hmm. that lie started to creep in a couple times during motherhood. And it's just like, no, like God doesn't love you based off your performance. Like he loves you as his daughter, as his son and Maddie's his son too. So like, and I've even, God has really taught that to me about Maddie too. Like, man, like maybe he's having a bad day. His performance may be off that day. That does not reflect on me loving him any less or more. And God's like, that's exactly how I feel about you. That's exactly how I feel about Maddie. And it's just like, okay. Like, um, so like, yeah, I wouldn't, I would say like, God's been teaching me that in motherhood too. Like when I, when I have um, been tempted to believe those lies again, that man, if he's not doing good, it's a reflection on me being a bad mom or, you know, you know, other people judging me or something, you know, Um, which is, it's not that way, you know? Absolutely. I think you bring up the people pleasing and I, (laughs) man, I've had this cough, so excuse me. I, uh, Oh, no worries. I've met you one time. And the one time I met you, you were exactly who I thought you would be. Meaning like super (laughs) smiley, super friendly, just very sweet, motherly, just, um, just a sunshine. And (laughs) I just did a podcast with Miley and Mm -hmm. maybe you have some similar stuff because you're both sweet women. Um, (laughs) but I kind of want to know the genesis of this people pleasing thing and who you were and how you grew up to believe this lie. Because I have a guess Mm -hmm. that if I would have met you three years ago, I probably would have thought the same thing about you. You were probably very Mm -hmm. sweet, very friendly, Mm -hmm. very giving, and you are that now. But 
yet there's something mm-hmm. different. So yeah, talk to me about yeah, no, for sure. the beginning of this whole thing and how, like where your story starts when it comes to the lie of people pleasing or whatever you were living in. Yeah, that's a good question. And just to um, kind of come back, like if you would have met me like three years ago, I would have been kind of the same sweet sunshiny, but my motive would have been different. My motive would have been like, I want you to see me as this person, light, bubbly, all these things, because I want you to like me, like that validation of being extroverted, like, cause I was like naturally an introvert, you know, all those things being like warm and friendly, you know, all these things. Um, so just to go back to like people pleasing and that kind of being the lie I lived under, um, striving off of performance. It really was that. Um, so taking it back to like childhood, (laughs) I was the, yeah, I was the youngest of four. Um, so my brother's nine years older than me. Then I had a brother, um, seven years older than me. Then my sister's two years older than me. And so I was the youngest of four, like, man, it was, it was a fun childhood. Yeah. I, I grew, I grew up in, uh, Battleground, Washington, actually the town I'm in right now. Yeah. And so, and I grew up, um, in this like small Adventist Mecca bubble, you know, (laughs) if people, if people aren't familiar to Adventism, it's like a denomination that keeps the Sabbath and all these things. And, um, so I went to Adventist school my whole life. I followed all my siblings through Adventist school. Um, so the primary school K through eight, and then the, the Adventist Academy, which it's a small, small school. So there's not a lot of, it's not like public school where you're like kind of lost in the crowd, you know? What, what was the name of the academy? Um, uh, Columbia Adventist Academy. Okay. So there's so, a, there's a high school in Battleground, Washington. Okay. Yeah. And not a lot of kids. Did you say you worked at there. a Columbia Adventist Academy? No, right. I know of upper Columbia, okay. but I, I didn't know of yeah. Columbia. Okay. But that's the one you went to. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a small, like probably, so let's just start off with high school then. Um, so probably the high school, there was probably like a hundred kids total freshman through senior. That's how small it was. So, okay. Yeah. uh, A day school. And so like I followed all my siblings in their shadows, quote unquote, through the school. So, you know, and like when you're in college, I don't know if you're younger sibling, Richard, but like. How they say, oh, oh, you're Brandon's little sister or you're mm-hmm. Ryan's little sister. They never like call you by your name. Oh, you're Emily. Like that's your identity. They're like, you're this person's little sister, you know? Right, right, right. Um, so I really grew up into that like um, because my brother, Ryan, he was kind of like, he was the, the, the firstborn oldest. He kind of paved the way, made a path for himself. He was super entrepreneurial. Um, he was in a punk rock band. He kind of did his own thing. Hmm. But my brother, Brandon, was, like, the person I, like, strive to be like because mm-hmm. he was, like, super spiritual. He was, like, captain of the basketball team. He got straight A's. He, like, was perfect in my eyes. Um, and I really had a bond with him because he just, like, we play together and stuff. And um, But then kind of take the story, the hardest thing, my child was really golden, like, had a great family, parents loved each other, provided for me, grew up on five acres. But the thing that struck my childhood the hardest was when my brother, Brandon, like I'd mentioned, the one I look up to, he died in a car accident. Um, When I was an eighth grader, I was 15 years old. He was 21 years old in college. 
Where, um, where was where was he a student at? Yeah, so he went to Walla Walla University um, College back then because it was in 2005 when he died in the car accident, and he actually was a task force worker that year. He took a, he'd taken a year out from Walla Walla and was a task force worker at Georgia Cumberland Academy. Man, I remember hearing Georgia. this. I remember hearing about yeah. this because I was in college, and I think my friend Melissa McPhee, her name was at the time, was pretty tight mm-hmm. with him, and she, I think, were yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What what is he a junior in college that year? I think he was a sophomore, but yeah, I remember. His, so he his and I are pretty much the. Mm-hmm. He's pretty. He and I are pretty much the same age, and I remember he was born hearing 1981, about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. 1983. Mm-hmm. So this just kind of, this is the guy you you kind of looked up to and Mm -hmm. you just hear one day, I mean, Mm -hmm. what what, what was that like? Yeah, it was just like shock pretty much like, because if Brandon would have had cancer like for a year, we would have been prepared for his death if it was to get to that point where he would die from cancer. But this was like a fatal sudden car accident where he was just driving on a freeway in Georgia. He'd just come back from a doctor's appointment. He was in a minivan that he borrowed from the conference that he's working for. And there was like a logging truck stalled in the middle lane of the freeway. And he just didn't see it. I don't know. Like the the, lo- the logger was just about to put out his flares and he rammed into it at 70 miles an hour and just like instantly uh, was killed. So... It was um, a huge shock for our family. Um, you know, our, our small town, Walla Walla University, a lot of people knew him there. Um, you know, it was a huge shock for the whole community. And I just remember, you know, being in math class that day. I was in eighth grade and my youth pastor comes in and he's just like, Emily, I need to take you home. And I'm just like, what? This is so weird. Why does he need to take me home? Um, and then I saw my sister in the car, um, and I was like, this is so weird. And we were, we lived five minutes from school. And so, um, yeah, I, he took us home and then I walked through the front door and my grandma was there and she was crying and I was like, grandma, what's going on? And she's like, your brother just killed in a car accident. And I was like, what? This is crazy. I remember taking my shoe off and like throwing it out the mirror or something because I just didn't know how to react or what to expect. And yeah, it was just, it was just um, definitely hard for our family and shocking for sure. So this, what did you make of that as, as the time kept moving on and you went through with the, with everything and, and you're growing up with this kind of weight Mm -hmm. or kind of like Mm -hmm. a loss, you know, the thing is now Mm -hmm. not there. For sure. For sure. So, um, I guess it felt like it was just, it took a while to adjust like him not being there. Um, like man, like he would come home for holidays from Walla Walla and, you know, we'd all celebrate together as a family, all these different things. And, um, you know, my parents definitely had a hard time. I don't think we talked about it emotionally together as a family. Like I know everyone processes emotions in different ways. And I know my parents went to counseling to kind of help with their marriage. um, Because statistically, a lot of couples divorce after a loss of a child. Um, And then for me, my mom, um, so I was in eighth grade, the end of my eighth grade year. And then I went into high school, which like 
high school typically is hard enough with like changing hormones and like, man, trying to figure yourself out usually, right? For sure. Um, and so I was going through like a lot of stuff and my mom put me in counseling too, to kind of like, yeah, like I went through, we can go into this a little later too. Like I went through an eating disorder in high school, um, just from coping, from trying to be perfect and not feeling like my body was perfect. So, um, my mom put me in counseling for, for that and for the loss of my brother. And, um, yeah, it's just, did you feel like the counseling was effective? Like what did, what kind of things did the counselor try Mm -hmm. to teach you? Really good question. We like, so they like, they talk about the five stages of grief, right? Like, um, shock which is definitely shocking it wasn't like he died from cancer like denial anger something else and then like you bargaining and then you accept acceptance is the last stage and so he kind of talked about that and you know kind of making it into more of a teenager kid friendly form like we did like art projects expressing how I was feeling and you know um I don't feel like it helped like I think I went to like a female counselor first and then like a male counselor and then I was just like whatever. I definitely went through a lot of, after the death of my brother, I went through a lot of anger for sure. And just like trying to find my identity and who I was through the wrong things in high school. And it wasn't like, oh man, I'm going to go party and do drugs. I wanted to be like that perfect looking Christian girl. Um, so it was more like, I need to be like my brother, Brandon. Like I want to get straight A's. I want to be captain of the basketball team, like all these things that he was. Cause I missed him. I looked up to him and I wanted to be perfect. Like my parents, my parents weren't putting this on me. Like they weren't saying you need to be like Brandon, like you Mm. need to do all these things. But I was putting that on myself. Um, do you you know what you were angry at? Um, or who I, yeah, I think I was angry at my mom. Like a lot of it came out at my mom and she didn't even do anything. It was just like, I was just feeling like, why are you trying to talk to me about my emotions? Like, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, I was really harsh towards her emotionally, and I didn't want to give her a hug or anything. Um, So that was a rift there. And, you know, she just loved me throughout the whole thing, which is a beautiful testament to who she is as a person. Like, I remember um, this was me trying to be perfect again in high school. Like, I ran for, in my junior year of high school, I ran for, like, essay the governance you know essay mm-hmm. um student student chaplain um for the whole school and i had lost to the other component uh opponent, contender yeah, yeah. opponent yeah component, opponent yeah. contender component and, yeah yeah component and i remember like i was so mad because it was like the first thing one of the first things i had lost at or like i didn't live up to and i remember coming home and just like crying just be like i freaking lost like why like and I remember she just like came up and just like hugged me while I was crying and like that's all I really needed you know Mm -hmm. um in that moment that I thought and so she was she was a great mom throughout it all I just like I was emotionally going through a lot of stuff with um you know there's also guy issues too getting rejected by some guys and that's where the body image stuff came from and just needing to be perfect to fit all these standards of who I thought I needed to be. Do you think the body image and the guys and all that, do you think your brother passing had anything to do with that? Or now this is just 
a different part of life and your mm-hmm. brother's up on this pedestal and mm-hmm. you're reaching for it and not mm-hmm. being successful in the way you thought you would be or wanted to be. What what would you say about that? I would say that they're kind of different in a way. I would say um, be getting rejected by a certain guy that I really liked in high school. Like it was a component of like, okay, well he likes this girl now after I got rejected, like after he, he sought a relationship with me, you know? Um, and so I need to change my body in order to be like that. And so I, my sophomore year, I had anorexia and, um, after that it was like definitely like 10 or 12, a long time, 10 or 12 years of like an eating disorder, which it wasn't anorexia the whole time. It was like binging and purging after that, like in college and up till even my marriage with Justin. And it was a comfort that I would go to when I feel like I wasn't enough. Being perfect is really hard when you try to do it on your own. And so when I feel like I failed, I would turn to food because I'm just like, I need comfort right now. I just can't be strong on my own with this stuff. So um, I feel like that's kind of a separate thing from my brother's death. But then my brother's death, I felt like played into the perfectionism as well. So, so when did this eating disorder, like when did it start and how did it start? And did you know, oh yeah, I'm going to do this or what it like, talk me through that. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, I suddenly been like, it was a, a long process of, it started out as anorexia where I like didn't eat at all. Um, so like my sophomore year of high school, I probably had that. <laughs> so I was like playing basketball and I was going to school full time as a high schooler. And like, I would eat like carrots and crackers during the day. Like, yeah, I would get down. I got down to a really low weight. Um, it wasn't enough for me to be hospitalized. Um, Were you getting dizzy as you're playing my, basketball? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. It it wasn't to the point where, like, you see pictures of women or whoever hospitalized for anorexia where they're literally a skeleton. Like, it never got that bad, but um, I would get dizzy or just like my iron level was super low. Like I remember I tried to give blood my sophomore year and they're just like, can't have you give blood. Your iron level is super low, you know? So, um, yeah. And that's when my mom was really concerned too. And she put me in counseling for that. Um, and were you, were you like, so. yes, in your mind, I am doing this thing. Or was it like, I don't want to eat too much. Mm-hmm. What, what was it like, uh, or you're going, Oh, for it? it was kind of like a, a, obsessive compulsive eventually because I would like literally weigh myself like five times a day when I had the chance to um just because I'm like okay I need to see this number on the scale I need to fit into the size jeans in order for me to feel good or for me to be attractive to people um and that's really what started it and then after that it was just this I would gain weight because I would binge and purge and binge and purge and just eat a bunch of candy because I would like my body be starving for nutrients right and I would give my body not the right things all the time and definitely um after it was only like that one year where I didn't eat very much but then after that I was like just turning into food for comfort and I would start to eat regular meals again but 
it had always been that struggle with turning a food for, for my reprieve, for that dopamine hit. Um, like, yeah, it's like, it's like that thing that we don't talk about within the church. Like, oh, if you're smoking cigarettes, if you're drinking alcohol, Mm-hmm. that's a sin or that's a bad thing, but like gluttony, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like turning to food instead of like God and, you know, seeking, comfort I, turning to food. Yeah. Comfort. Like it's something that we don't talk about, you know? <laughs> so how did you feel about yourself then as you know, like, yeah, I am binging out and then I am purging. This is a problem. What did you think? about yourself like who you were because Um, because of this yeah I thought that this was going to be my life forever and then like you know I met it had you know after high school it continued you know did you try to stop and then like when I yeah I tried to stop I'd be like God like I want you to take this away like I would write in my journal like so many times like okay this is the last time I'm going to do this and God, I, I like, I want you to take it away. And like, definitely my relationship with God was so different from how it is now. Like I got, I thought God was up here and he would like magically take this thing away in this craving. And then I was down here and I just like be on my knees, like asking him to take it away. And I never really did. Like I went through seasons of like, yeah, like don't not doing it as much, but then it would come back and it was, Yeah. It was, um, so when it came back, when it came back, you just felt pretty low about yourself again. Yeah. Pretty low. And just like, man, like, why do I keep turning to this thing? Like, why is this thing a thing of comfort for me? Like, why can't it be God? Like, like it's supposed to be, you know, did it Um, ever bring actual, like what you really felt like it was peace or relief? Oh yeah. Like in the moment for sure. Like. Because whatever the thing you turn to, that's not God, like, that will give you that dopamine hit, whether it's online addiction to something, whether it's food, whether it's drugs or whatever, sex, like, even if it's a good thing, like, food is supposed to be a good thing to keep us sustained and healthy and meat on our bones, but, like, you're going to get that that instant relief, but then you're going to feel bad afterwards because it's just, like man, like I did this thing, I feel shame and guilt and whatever. And obviously those are lies. Like that's what I know now, but it just was this like never ending cycle um, of that. As I'm listening to you talk about this, um, there's a, an addiction that people, they, they, uh, they don't understand it very well. And it's, it's called gambling and gambling oh, mm-hmm. is, the dopamine rush from gambling is not mm-hmm. it's not winning it's mm-hmm. the tension that you feel while the money is on the line so the feeling mm-hmm. the feeling you have when the roulette ball drops in and it's spinning that's the dopamine hit or while mm-hmm. you're watching the game that you have more money than you should have on the mm-hmm. game that's the action that's what the feeling that people are going for and then when you mm-hmm. win mm-hmm. the tension isn't released 
That's why gambling is such a horrible thing because the tension is only released when you lose. Because mm-hmm. <coughs> you have all this money and when you win, you're like, oh, cool, I got more money. But then there's still like this weird tension in your body and you and you need to put it somewhere else so you keep on gambling and you the tension is, yeah. like I said, only released when you lose and it's all gone. And it's the same mm-hmm. sort of thing with pornography. I'm wondering if... Mm in your experience with this food thing, like the tension Mm -hmm. of trying to achieve this specific goal, like that was Mm -hmm. the rush or the addiction. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. even when you achieve it, it didn't bring the satisfaction that you thought. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's, whatever addiction it is like it satis it gives that dopamine hit to your brain like right away and then it ex exhale or like, decelerates is what i want to say like after that and then you kind of you the old me is like the point of stress that i had like oh i need something to cope with the stress right now and it'd be food and just like go to it get the dopamine hit and just like get that release and then Go. I think it's that way with any addiction, like shopping addictions too. Like I definitely struggle with shopping addictions and stuff like that too. So was it the idea of going to get food and then, mm-hmm. because like we know what food tastes like yeah, and we want it. Like mm-hmm. this is something I'm realizing as I haven't had always had the greatest relationship with food and mm-hmm. I want the food and I want it and I want it and then I get it and then I eat it and it's not like it tastes good, but it was the mm-hmm. the pressure and the want of me. Oh man, I want some fried chicken or oh, I want this donut or yeah. oh, I want ice cream. And then I get it and I'm like, yeah, I remember what that tastes like and it tastes good. But mm-hmm. like, w- w- was that sort of your thing with food? Like, oh, if I get this food, it will... Mm-hmm release me in some way or I will feel good but then you get it and you're like okay that tastes fine you know whatever yeah oh yeah or did it actually did the food satisfy it really did satisfy yeah just like oh man like pizza sounds amazing right now let's eat a whole box of pizza like (laughs) with garlic dipping sauce you know um and so like but then yeah, I get that. But then obviously that affected my physical image too and how healthy I was. So I put on weight, then I lose weight, all this yo, 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 you know? And so it was just like this never ending cycle because I would need the thing to help me feel better, but then it would not make me feel better because it affect my body image eventually. And it's just like, boom, 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 you know? Um, nonetheless, nonetheless say like, when you do binge and purge, you feel like gross afterwards too. Like, you ate too much and your stomach's full or something. And, um, yeah, so it was, did, how, it did, was a, did people know about this or was this just like a thing you were wrestling with? Yeah, no, like, you know, my close family probably did. And then I met Justin, my husband, um, in 2014, mm-hmm. um, in Southern California. When I went to graduate school down there, he was working down there. He lived from, he lived there. So, you know, I met him there and, um, we dated for a year and 
before, no, we, we dated and we're all engaged within one year. It's really quick. <laughs> so before we got engaged, like, obviously this is the guy I want to marry. And like, I want all my skeletons to be out of the closet. I want him to know everything about me. Mm-hmm. So like, we had a conversation even before we were engaged. Like this, these are my skeletons. These are the things I'm currently still struggling with. Right. He told me his, I told me, airing our dirty laundry. And like, yeah. this was my thing. And he was just like, you know, like, it's okay. We're going to, I still love you. You know, like he struggled with another thing, which he's had a podcast with you. So you can listen to that one. Um, And we're just going to be married and this is going to be how it is. You know, like we're, we're all, that was our mindset, you know, Um, we're always going to have these things. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We love each other. We know we were, you know, Christians, we had a mission from God. Like, we know that we want to be in ministry together and in this marriage together. And so, like, because we know that now, like, let's get married. And, you know, we were pretty um, in the mindset of, like, we don't want to live together before we're married. So, like, that's why we did it so quick, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I know. I know what that's about. Sometimes it's not know. for the greatest <laughs> thing because we're like, but I've been there. Yeah. You've been there. And if what, you want to learn more about that. <laughs> what did what did that uh, <laughs> um did that make you feel some kind of way about it or um what do you think about that now? Oh, just like airing the like, I feel a relief because I like we know everything about each other. There's nothing he can do or I can do that could make me feel bad. But that was not the case. Like once we were married, like he definitely did things that he had addictions to that hurt me so bad when we were married. And like, um, yeah. And then I would, you know, turn to things and he'd be like, why aren't you filling my love tank? You know, how long, how long into marriage did this start happening? Um, so we were married in 2015 and then we moved to Philadelphia for a year and a half. Um, and then came back to the West coast after that. But Anyways, in when we were living in Philadelphia, that was like the trial year. Like we are away from all our friends and family. We're living in a new city. Um, he had a brand new job. I had a brand new job. Oh, actually, like I was done with school, OG school, and I'd taken boards. I failed boards the first time. That was a hit on my self-esteem, and then I passed him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so yeah, we were like newly married in the city, like that we didn't know anybody and we were just like in this apartment living in the hood. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it was fun times in, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> Justin got beat up. If you want to hear his podcast, he got, he got smacked yeah. in the face. So, so I think that, yeah, I was going to ask you like when yeah. the first time, like his thing reared its head and mm. you knew about it but it still hurt you mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. can you can you walk mm-hmm. me through that like what did you make of that um yeah so yeah he he talked about it on your podcast right yeah the thing he was addicted to okay so just being transparent i don't want to like you know tell someone you know the story. old l-u-s-t yeah l-u-s-t and so like when i found when i snooped on his computer one night because i would do that i'd be like Huh. While he's in bed, I'm going to go through his browsing history. Why would you do that? Because I didn't trust him. Yeah, right? Why would I do that? Because I was just like, I 
Like, I would do it to get back at him. Because, like, if we would have had, like, a fight or something, I'd be like, mm, well, I'm going to pull out his dirty laundry then and I'm going to snoop on his computer and see what he's been looking at. And I would find things. I remember one time I found something. I was, like, super, super upset and I was super hurt. Like, man, like, you looked at these images, like, and that hurt me so much because I'm like, this is only supposed to be about me and our marriage. And, like, mm-hmm. you looking at me that way. And of course, like my history of my body image and eating disorders crept up and I'm just like, I am not like this woman and I'm comparing myself to this person. And oh man, it was ugly, you know? And so like, I remember like we went to like, he was a teacher at a Bible college and we took all the students out to ice skating one day. And I remember being at the ice skating rink and just like, not talking to him at all and just like crying. Like I'd never cried that hard. Like, I'm just like, don't talk to me like all day. And it just like cut deep, like into my heart. And it said something about you and it said you weren't enough because of your body, because of your whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much just like, and I also felt like, you know, in in our intimacy in our relationship, like that was hurt too. Cause I'm just like, you've looked at something outside of the bonds of marriage. And like, that really hurts me. Cause like, it's like cheating in a way, like sure. with your eyes and your mind, you know? Um, yeah. So were so you guys it, just it on really... like a vicious cycle of this or what was your plan to yeah. get out? Um, that's a good question. I think like, and Justin talks about, cause I've listened to your guys' podcast too. <laughs> um, Justin talks about that year he went through depression in Philadelphia. And I think like that really brought empathy to me for him. And just like, I need to help him and just like be there for him. And, you know, like we're just surviving on our own without give, without like truly knowing how God could like free us from these things. Um mm-hmm. And just like, you know, we'd be really great one day and really great one month. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, I'd be slamming doors in the kitchen, like passive aggressively, like, why did you do this or something, you know? So, um, but you know, we're just surviving. Um, but I wouldn't say like we were talking about divorce, like that had never come up. It was just like, I'm going to stick with this and we're just going to have this for the rest of our lives, I guess, you know? And we'll try to go to counseling or something. <laughs> what did, did marriage surprise you in that it was different than you thought it was going to be? Um, yeah. Like, I think just growing up in a sheltered, like, Avenist community, like, I always thought marriage is going to be like this. And, like, this is how it's going to be on your wedding night. And, like, all these things. And, like we struggled a lot with the intimate part for sure. Cause I like had not been exposed to anything mm-hmm. prior to, I grew up really sheltered, like really sheltered. I didn't know what the term masturbation meant until I was a senior in high school. That's how sheltered I was. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also like, man, like you do need to, we don't know understand how to communicate. Right? Yeah, yeah. We don't know how to communicate like with that intimacy, um, and I didn't understand what that really meant in a marriage either. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to do this to please my husband. And like, I don't get anything from that. And that's okay. Like, I just want to do it to please him. That's cool. Like, right. <laughs> that's what I thought, you know. And, oh, to take it back. Sorry. 
we went through like premarital counseling because that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian couple, right? And right. he had us take like these love language things and like we went through the love languages book together and just like, this is your love language, this is mine. And his was physical into physical touch right. for sure. And mine was like acts of service, um, words of affirmation. Because you know me, yeah. the old me was like, man, I want to be affirmed. I want to... To people to tell me I'm doing great, you know? So, um, yeah. And it's just like, that's not like, that was a lie. You know, like we don't need to fill each other's love tanks. Like God fills that for us. Like, cause he lives in us. And so we are an outflowing of love. You know, that's how, that's how we live. But now. you believe and that, it's didn't like you? So different. You yeah, believe I that? I believe that like, I, yeah. If he doesn't mm-hmm. say sweet things or do, something nice then he's not really loving you the way you should be loved exactly and that's when i would start to slam the the kitchen doors and um he would know something's up because that's that was my passive aggressive nature like you so then he would ask you to be like no i'm fine yeah yeah i'm fine i'm gonna slam the door yeah so um and then him in turn would like he would not get filled from me so he'd go to the the interwebs you know yeah to get filled um, yeah. So it seems like you guys were taking from each other a little bit and living at each other's expense for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when you and, get you know, back, to, back to, to California, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about getting back to California and, and, and what happened? Oh, like we moved, you mean after Philadelphia, we moved, yeah. um, back to the West coast, actually Washington where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, we moved in with my parents um, so I could pay off my loans and I could um, get a job as an OT and he could. Oh, we moved in um, to save a lot of money. And plus, he wanted to start this YouTube channel because he was totally done with where he was at in ministry. He's been canvassing, culprit for 10 years, being a leader. He's like done with that. I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's let's go. Like, so I supported his dream like I worked full time as an OT to pay off my loans and like support him not being paid at all through YouTube at first <laughs> and just like having no income for him for the le- for like two years when he started YouTubing. Um, so yeah, that was like, I guess like I always was like, okay, like I'm going to be the perfect wife anyway. So I'm going to support him. I want to support his dreams. I love him. I, I really did love him, you know, mm-hmm. in the best way I thought I could love him. Sure. And I, I know he was depressed at his old job. So I want him to do something that he is not going to be depressed at. And he wants to do like, um, so that was kind of when we moved back to Washington, he started YouTube, the YouTube channel in 2016. And, um, yeah, I, I was like working full time and supporting him. Were you ever resentful of like his YouTube channel and like his content? Because, he was pretty, um, he was like Mr. Conservative, like the old, <laughs> like the My Christian Vlogger, I think the name of the channel was. What did you think about that? And then reconciling that with what was yeah. going on with you guys? Um, actually, like at that point he had started the YouTube channel, I felt like he wasn't super conservative anymore. Like he still had, has different some different views than he has right now currently. But, um, I felt like, man, this is cool. Like this is modern. This is hip. This is fun. Like this is where the church needs to go. Like 
some um, social media evangelism rather than just knocking on doors. Like, so I was kind of stoked about the the mission of it. Um, and, you know, I think it came to the point where like he would ask me to be on some of the YouTube videos and I would be like working full time at a skilled nursing facility. And I'd be like, why are you asking me to be on these videos? I am so tired. Like, yeah. so that we'd fight about that sometimes. <laughs> like, I do not want to talk about the Bible right now. Like, I just got back from work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, <laughs> um, no, it was a pretty, a pretty good season. Um, and then in 2018, we, we moved out of my parents and we started living in an apartment in Vancouver, not too far from Battleground. Um, and started going to a church, Pleasant Valley, um, which kind of is where everything changed for us, spiritually speaking. And our lives changed there. Um, so what do you want to ask me anything before? Uh, so pretty much <laughs> what I'm gra- gathering about old Emily is that Emily was mm-hmm. on a quest to be perfect. Uh, there was just this loss yeah. in her life, and she had mm-hmm. her brother on a pedestal, and... Wanted the perfect grades, perfect marriage, perfect body, perfect disposition. Mm-hmm. And because of success and then also failure in all those areas, your life was a roller coaster mm-hmm. of up and down. Am I gathering? For sure, yeah. This. So it mm-hmm. sounds like it was. Sounds like it was good when it was good. And it was bad Mm -hmm. when it was bad. And your marriage was good when it was good. And it was bad when it was Mm -hmm. bad. Exactly. Did I sum it up pretty well there? Mm. Yeah. You summed it up perfectly. And like, that's how I would relate with my relationship with God. Like, if my marriage and my life was good, like, I would not spend as much time with God. And like, if it was bad, I'd be like journaling all the time spending time in the word like what is going god help me help me help me like i treated god like a gumball machine where i'm just like if it's going bad i need you i need you i need you if it's going good like oh i'll put you on the back burner a little bit like i thought god was up here i'm down here and this is kind of how we do our relationship type of a thing you know so he was like on call if your life started going badly but if it's cool then we're good exactly exactly yeah so yeah, then what so happens at, at PVC then? What, what's, what, what, how did your life change? Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. So, so um, I think Justin talks about it on your podcast. Like he became, he accepted the gospel and what true freedom is in the Holy Spirit. Probably like a year before I did. Um, hanging out in Hawaii with a ministry there called Love Reality Tour. Like he understand he started to understand what the gospel truly was like that it can set you free from a life you used to live like a a life free of guilt shame condemnation the old way you used to live and like you can live in this like loving intimacy with your creator who lives in you and the holy spirit and like so for me like he so for our relationship he accepted that like a year before and so he was just like the holy spirit was just telling him to be super patient with me because the Holy Spirit revealed him to him so many things like you're going to be a dad and like all these things. And I was not ready to hear like, I'm going to be a mom. Like I was just like, I don't know if I want kids and all these things. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So basically um, he accepted the gospel and like became free probably like four months before 
this program called Love Reality Tour came to Pleasant Valley. Did he start behaving differently towards you? Could you tell something was different about him? Yeah. Um, I could really tell things were different because he became more patient with me. Like, we're, um, our brains are a little different with how we like communicate and process. Like, he would get frustrated at me really quickly because I would pick up on things quickly or like, he's like, no, I told you to do that. Why'd you forget that? Like, he would be really short with me. And like, Mm -hmm. I remembered like, man, like he was way more patient with me and just like, I'm just like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? You know, like (laughs) the fruits of the spirit, what are manifesting? Like, yeah, patience. Um, so I was just like, oh, this is, this is really cool. Like, and you know, he wouldn't push things on me, um, that he used to push on me or like make me feel a certain way or lose his temper. Um, so I noticed a change in him for sure. I'm just like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> but he didn't like break down any of this new gospel. He was just, you could tell he was living different. Yeah. Yeah. He told me like, oh yeah, like Jonathan and I, Jonathan um, is involved in the Love Reality Tour ministry. And we had this moment in the car and we prayed together and it was awesome. I was like, oh cool. He didn't really expand much about on that. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm glad he had a good time in Hawaii. Welcome back. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so about four months later, this love reality tour program comes to Pleasant Valley Church. And, um, whoa, it like kind of blew my mind, but it wasn't at the point where I had accepted, um, the gospel and fr- became free. Um, what was I will blowing tell your you mind though, about like, it? Yeah. At, yeah. 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 That's a good question. What was blowing my mind about it is just like, it was crazy to me, like growing up in the Christian church, the Adventist church, and not knowing what the role of the Holy Spirit was. Like, I did not know. I'm like, oh, okay, the Holy Spirit's an ax. He, like, comes down, puts a little fire in their head. Cool, like, that's what the Holy Spirit is. I don't know what his role was in my life. And so, like, I really under- started to understand, like, the Holy Spirit and, like, what we call secret place time, like, intim- intimacy with God mm-hmm. during that time. And I think the the big thing for me is like, oh, yeah, I don't have to live a life where I'm turning to these things for comfort, like the binging and purging, because I was definitely doing that at that moment, mm-hmm. that whole time, you know, our whole marriage. I don't have to live a life where I need to, um, you know, give and take through this love language stuff, like fill his love tank, him fill mine. So I started to understand that, but I didn't really know how it would manifest in my life, but I started walking it out some Mm -hmm. like my secret place time would change. Like I would be like, okay, I am inserting myself into the words that God speaks over me. So if I am a loved child, like in Ephesians one, if I have an inheritance, I'm putting myself in that, but I wasn't really free from everything. Um, at that point. So Um, this is the first time they come up there later that year. Mm-hmm. So did you understand like freedom from sin, like Romans six? Did you, did that part kind of land for you or mm-hmm. were you still kind of skeptical on it? I It landed from, it landed probably halfway for me. Like it was just like, okay, I get it, but I still want these things sometimes. Like I wasn't wanting to like to give everything up. And by everything, I also meant control. Like, 
I wanted to control my life still on, I didn't want to give it like a hundred percent over to God or whatever. Like the whole, like being a mom thing, like, oh, if I was pregnant at this time, that would be perfect. So I need to control this part. Like I didn't give that all up. So God was like, just patient with me though. Like he was journeying with me through, cause that happened in February, the love reality tour. And then I truly accepted the gospel and became free like November of that year when love reality tour came back to Pleasant Valley church. Um, what was it about the second time they came back? Good question. Um, cause that's when I think that's like Morgan's it, first time speaking. Yeah. Or maybe that was Idaho. I don't know whether, which one it was, but either her first or second yeah. time up front. What was it about yeah. the second time? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think the first time, like, I was practically getting it, and I started, like, walking it out some, progressing up till November. Like, I was like, oh, Secret Place Time is awesome, like, and all this stuff. and But I still want to hold on to some of these things and, like, it creep back in a lot, like, my addictions and all these things. And mm-hmm. um, then it wasn't... Like, my head knowledge was there in February, if that makes sense. Like, oh, Roman says this. That's cool. And then I started kind of like, God took me through this journey. And then, like, when Love Reality Tour came in November, and it's just like, no, you can really be free from these things. And you can be healed from sins committed against you. And you don't have to hold grudges. And you don't have to control your life. That's when I was just like, okay, like releasing it and just like dying to that, those old things. Um, Just from hearing Morgan's testimony and just all the testimonies that week, it was just beautiful. So you think it is the the testimony that made you see it Mm -hmm. in a different way? Yeah. um, Yeah, I would say that the testimonies and just like the Holy spirit revealing to me, like what the last straw was. And I think the last straw, the Holy spirit revealed was like, you need to give up fear and control. Cause like, that's when Justin had eventually told me like, I want to, the Holy spirit told me like, we're going to become parents. And then I started to freak out. Like <laughs> I was just like, I'm not ready. And like, I need to control these things. And like, um, why Man, didn't you think happening? you were ready? Why didn't you think you were ready? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so I didn't think I was ready because I, in 2018 through like 2020, I had like um, some health issues going on and I had like these nasal issues going on. And I actually had to have nasal surgery in November, like right before Love Reality Tour came in that mm-hmm. November, right after. And I was just like, I freaking, okay, so I would like get sick once a month. Like I'd have to call off work for a whole week. I'd get sick. I couldn't breathe out of my nose. I was actually hoss. Oh, this is crazy though. Okay, so this is a testament to like how the Holy Spirit works in your heart, even though you don't know it. Like, so before I had, I'd become free. So I became free in like November of that year. I accepted the gospel and everything. I was actually baptized in the bathtub and rebaptized in the bathtub of my apartment. <laughs> awesome. Um, but anyways, like that August before, so like a couple months before, like my health was getting really, really wacky. And like, 
I was on an inhaler. I had to like puff the inhaler like four times a day, five times a day. And I just like couldn't smell, I couldn't breathe. I had so much congestion. It was like sinusitis, like to the worst extent. And I had that for like two years. Um, it was a lot. And so a couple months before in August, it had gotten so bad. I woke up one night and I was literally, I couldn't breathe very well. Mm-hmm. And I tried my inhaler. It wasn't working. And I, um, my, my lips were swelling a little bit. And I think I had a pulse oximeter that measures your oxygen. And my oxygen was low. It was below 90, which you don't want to be below 90. And Justin was like, um, what should we do? Should we take you to the emergency room? And it was like two in the morning. And so we went to the emergency room and this was the craziest thing because I was having a hard time breathing and I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if this is going to be my last night. But literally during that moment, I felt the peace of the Holy Spirit just come over me and be like, you know, if I die tonight, I'm like fine with, I'm fine. I'm at peace. (laughs) I know that I'm loved by God. Like I didn't have fear. And so like, that is a testament to like Jesus and the Holy Spirit walking me through this relationship with him, even though I hadn't grasped everything, you know, or I hadn't like fully died to everything, you know, like I had the peace. And like, I think that's the beautiful thing about God, because no matter where you are on your journey, like he's going to give you the Holy Spirit, even though you may not know or verbally ask for at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, Like, and that's the cool thing, because like he's not like, Emily, you have to like, totally be 100% dead to everything before you can have my peace. Like, no, that's not who he is. Like, oh, he loves us. He's with you. Yeah, he loves you. So he's going to give you your his peace like whenever, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even though you may not know to ask for it or so that was like the really cool thing that was just like, whoa, like maybe I am a different person cuz I wasn't fearful during that moment. Like I had the peace of God in me, you know? And so then after this health stuff, you're like, I can give up this fear and I can possibly have kids. Yeah. So that was really like, I remember talking to to BB at uh, Pleasant Valley. She's been on this podcast too. And BB was like, I was saying to BB, like, you know what? Like if I still have all these health issues and I am a mom, it's going to be okay. Like God's going to, you know. God loves me. He, he, he lives in me. So like, why do I need to be fearful? And why do I need to control these things? Like I thought that I would have to be like fully healed in order for me to be a mom and me being, having enough strength to be a mom. Um, hmm. cause I was like, man, like I feel like crap sometimes with how my health was. Um, and then, you know, it's, I was fearful of like me not feeling like me and my health and being a mom, you know, and controlling that. And God's like, you just need to let that go. Like I've got you like be free from fear, be free from the need to control, be free from these eating addictions, like all these things. And that's when I was like, okay, like I'll, I'm committed. Like I want that, you know? (laughs) So as the time has gone since then, have you been managing eating addictions or what has happened because of this new understanding of Mm -hmm. how God sees you? 
That's a really good question. Um, yeah, like I wouldn't say like my life has been 100% perfect since I became free. Like God is so patient with me and his understanding of me. And like I've gotten to know so much more of his love in me of being a mom. And I guess like one of the main things I'm learning right now as a mom is like, Jesus says to me, like, I don't love you based off your performance. Like whether you did the right thing as a mom, whether you slipped up for a second and believed the lie today or whatever, like I love you and just like claim that over your life and, and you're cool with me. And like, I live in you. Like, that's the thing I didn't know. Like the Holy Spirit like lives in me and he's not separate from me. Um, every moment, like that's definitely what I've been learning. Like as a mom, like it's a spiritual mantle on you, but the Holy Spirit lives in you. And it's just like every moment I spend with Maddie, it's like, it's a spiritual sacred moment, whether I'm singing to him, whether I'm, Hmm. you know, giving him a bath or like feeding him. It's like, it's not like God and myself are separate anymore. It's like, man, I notice spirit, um, this beautiful sense of Jesus in moments that I wouldn't have, you know, prior to, to freedom. Wow. So if you were able to go back and talk to Emily from your first year of marriage, you're back in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and things aren't the way you thought they were going to be. What would, what would new Emily, free Emily say to, to that old gal? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think I would have said to like myself there that you are enough. Like you, you are enough because Jesus made you enough and you don't have to strive. Hmm. Um, you don't have to strive because he has finished the work in you and through you and you are complete lacking in nothing the way you are because he loves you and he lives in you. Um. And like the Holy Spirit, like that journey through um, becoming free, like that year, he really revealed to me, like, you don't need to live a life of scarcity, like, because you have everything in the Father, in him, you have abundance, you have peace, you have all the fruits of the Spirit. And like, bringing it back, like, the first lie that Eve ever believed is that she needed to have the mind of Christ. She lived in scarcity. She believed that she was in scarcity. That wasn't true about her though. Like she, and I remember this, the Holy spirit really highlighted that to me. And my journey with him is like the first lie that you believe is she didn't have the mind of Christ yet. She did because she has been daughter all along Hmm. predestined for everything that Christ, that Jesus has. And so the Holy Spirit is like, you don't need to live a life of scarcity then. Like you thinking that you are enough is a life of, aren't enough is a life of scarcity because you always feel like you need to strive to be this person, but you are complete in abundance, lacking in nothing. That's who you are, you know? So you believe this now, huh? Yeah, like I totally believe it. Like, and 
And I believe this for other people too. I believe this for my son. Like, like that's why I love the gospel. Like from the beginning, he has predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters. And like, this is what my son has been born into. This is what everyone is. Like Hmm. we, we don't have to, to be an identity, to live, to work for an identity that we think we need to, whether that's perfectionism, whether that's being a good mom, whether that's like, you know, being a good, whatever you want to like your profession, like don't strive. Like you have everything you, you need in the father and just like be free and, and live from that love. You know, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And thanks for telling your story. I feel like, um, there's a lot of depth and layers to who you are and God has given you everything you need to be the mama that this mm-hmm. little guy needs and I just love to to see it and hear it thank you for your testimony thank you yeah it's definitely been a beautiful thing and yeah um, yeah God's amazing and hey Thank His you. love is amazing. Um, yep, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah for sure. Hey, and holler when you're ready, come and see me. Working all day, working all night. Do it for the kids and for my city. I cannot fall, I got the light. Spirit on me, watch it come down. KOD, only talk, holy things. I'm a prince, that's Rakeem. Yeah, that's Rakeem. 23, check the rings. FOG, on my feet, on my soul. Jesus Christ, set me free. Set me free. Yeah. Only motivation on me now is heavenly. A lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies. I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me. Stay alive, hey, stay alive, hey.